Thank you. <laughs> okay, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another interview at CMRT. Today, we have Jordan Thomas with us. He is a freelance musician in Chicago, and he's someone I can always count on getting a smile and a hug from when I see him at a gig or just walking by Symphony Center. Um, Jordan, how are you doing? And welcome. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm doing okay, you know, um, better than the last three months, I would have to say, you know, um, it was really rough. It was rough for all of us, but um, uh, yeah, but now I'm okay, um, you know, still some ups and some downs, which is totally normal, but um, you know, right now at this current time, I'm okay, and especially um, inspired and encouraged by like all the talkings that's going on yes. in the classical music world. So it's like really empowering, and it's just like getting the juices flowing. So yeah, I'm okay. Gives yeah, gives you hope for sure. So we chatted quite a while ago <laughs> uh, in preparation for this interview. And this wasn't necessarily a question that we had talked about recording. It was just something that you and I chatted about because as a team at DMRT, we were curious about, you know, how to do these interviews and not be racist for lack of a better term. I mean, we want to talk about these things. We want to use our platform, but I'm white. I don't know the struggle. And I want to, we want to make sure that we're doing this the right way. So when, when you answer this question, when we were chatting, I just totally fell in love with what you had to say. So I was like, we're totally doing this on the interview. So what does it mean to you when somebody asks you what it's like to be a classical musician? This is when they ask you what it's like to be a black classical musician. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. There is definitely a clear line. There's right. definitely a difference. You know, um, we can easily, you and I can easily talk about what it's like to be a musician because that's what we are. That's yeah. our job. Um, however, you know, when you ask what is it like to be a black musician? And it's just like totally different conversation we're about to have. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And it's a totally different experience. Um, I appreciate, you know, especially coming from you, a Caucasian musician, be like, what's this experience like? Because again, you don't know. And it's like, it's good to have this conversation. And you know, I always say this, and I've been saying this lately. I'm like, hello, my name is Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. Let's <laughs> okay? And it's okay to ask certain questions, because I feel as though we're at this time where we're all at a halt right now. And it's just like, you know, George Floyd died, you know, coronavirus is happening. A lot of stuff is going on. And, you know, we can't really do anything. I mean, besides doing some outdoor gigs or like six feet apart kind of gigs, you know, this is a time 
for um, for asking those questions, for knowing what to ask, knowing the experience, so that when we move forward, um, when we luckily and hopefully come back to the concert hall, right. things can be different. Good. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can still be professional, do what we got to do, but you know, we can be more mindful of who is around us, our surroundings, mm -hmm. and you know, not be afraid to ask certain questions because you know, you know, if a person's like, oh, I don't know what it was like, well, now is your chance. Yeah. And this is what is very important, especially during these times. So it makes me very happy. Um, that you know, you're asking, what is it like to be a black musician? Because it's an uncomfortable conversation. And we need to have those uncomfortable conversations in order to move forward. And um, it's a thing where it's sort of been like a silent, like, mm, you know, that's kind of sticky. I don't. Uh -uh. Right. You know how you go to like a barbecue or something, you see a food, and, you know, but you know, this is the time. So I'm very happy and very willing to share my experience. So whoever has questions and I'm just like, listen, if it's racist, it's if, it, if it's offensive, I'll let you know. You'll let me know. And I know you will let me know for sure. And I think it's a duty for us African-Americans to be, um, and especially POCs, um, to be open and confident and willing to be like, hey, not okay. Right. Yeah. We well, are gonna educate them. We're yeah. all in the same boat. And if we're gonna be on the same boat, we might as well get along. But like, you know, the only way to know that is to ask questions. Yeah. And so it is our job to educate other people who just don't know because it's time. Again, it's 2020. It's time. It's 2020. What a year. And we thank you so much for sharing your stories so openly yeah. and willingly. It's it's really great. So with that in mind, what stands out to you the most when you think of your journey as a Black classical musician? Mm. Well, <laughs> uh, as far as my journey goes, I um, was very fortunate and blessed to um, have a family um, as well as um, a village, we call it a village, um, who saw my talents, who saw my interests, and went with it. Yeah. Um, they caught it at a very early age. Um, I know, as I told you before, I was asking to play the harp since I was three years old. I love the story. <laughs> and I think, um, I remember we were packing for a um, vacation. I think it was a family reunion or something. And of course, PBS was on because... Um, in my household, we were only to watch certain things. Like, you know, I wanted to watch, like, South Park. I wanted to watch all these type of things. My great-grandmother, my great-grandmother, I'm like, mm-mm, not today. PBS. <laughs> Correct. PBS. 
Arthur. Yes. Um, what else? Um, Barney, I think. Um, I wasn't even allowed to watch Teletubbies sometimes. I'm just like, that's just cool. Um, but, you know, I could watch Oprah. <laughs> yes, you did. But, um, <laughs> but we were packing to go for a family reunion, I think, and PBS was on, and Luciana Pavarotti was singing, and I was glued to the screen, like, mesmerized. And my grandma was making noise, and I just gave her this dirty look. And she was like, oh, am I making too much noise? And I just like, <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he might be in music. And um, of course, it, at my church in Philadelphia, St. Luke's Church, Germantown, shout out to them. Um, we were um, high Episcopalian church. So we did big anthems, um, you know, have, um, if it was Easter, have the trumpet player, do excerpts of Handel's Messiah, stuff like that. Classic. And our organist, I'm James, um, John Dangerfield Cooper, who was the organist, saw my talents. It was like, get him into lessons now. Saw him while he was, while he's young and whatnot. My grandma's like, okay, great. So, um, like, she was all about getting me cultured. Like, we went to the Art Institute. Uh, we went to my hometown um, orchestra, the Philly Orchestra. Yes. Went to ballet. Yes. And we did all types of music things because she knew that's what I was interested in. And um, she had this saying, it's like, anything I can't do so in the, house, in the household has to do it. She couldn't learn how to swim, so me and my mother went swimming lessons and whatnot. Um, there was a piano in the house, um, so I need to learn how to play, to play the piano, that type of thing. So um, with that, um, my grandma was like, okay, there's a piano in the house, you can start with piano. So we went to a Philly Orchestra concert, and um, I believe it was the Rachmaninoff Paganini Variations. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's Anist and whatnot. And of course, there's like a huge heart moment and whatnot. And I just remembered, boom, that's it. That one heart moment, I was just like, yes, that's it. And I was like, I want to play the harp. And she's like, oh, God. You going to start piano? So we went to um, Settlement Music School to sign me up for piano lessons. And of course, we went to the office and the director at that time was like, okay, you know, what are we signing for today? My grandma's like, piano. <laughs> and she's like, what would you like? I was like, the harp. And she's like, oh, well, we have a harp teacher here. Why don't we go up? And my grandma's like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> so we went. I remember the door opening. I was so excited. The door opened. There was this gold 23. And I was just like, oh, yes. So the harp teacher's like, come on in. And I touched the harp. She's like, oh, you have perfect harp hands and blah, blah, blah. She's like, would love to have you. And my girl was like, okay. So we went back down and the director was just like, so what are we signing up for today? Thinking that she won. My girl was like, Piano. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, um, and so I did piano for a number of years, but every single year, um, after like the final exam, when I was like, can I have my heart now? Can I have my heart now? Can I have my heart now? Sort of like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
And so um, she was like, okay, next year, next year. Then finally, when I was nine, I got my first harp and um, it was like a little lever harp kind of thing. And I remember I picked it up and I just played happy birthday. Out of nowhere, no lessons, just plucked it out. Mm. Fine, okay. But, um, <laughs> but um, with that, just that, um, again, I was fortunate to have parents and a village who supported me and was willing to go with, especially for a black kid. I was, I was just thinking how beautiful, really, it is that the thing that stands out the most to you has so much to do with your community and that village. I just, oh, I wish we could all take a page out of your family's book. I mean, that's it's beautiful. It, like, I think that's one of the um, most beautiful things and that everyone should have is a community or a village. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can't just do it by yourself. Yeah. You just cannot. Mm -hmm. And again, I was lucky enough to do that. You know, I had aunts, uncles, godfathers, godmothers who just supported me all the way. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would be where I am. Yeah. But um, moving forward, um, luckily enough, I went to um, a music magnet middle school called Shawmont and part of the string orchestra and then also in the jazz band playing piano. Yes, I played a little jazz a little bit. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think what was great about it was just that it was so mixed. Yeah. It was so mixed. And, um, but I saw the difference, um, you know, playing in jazz band versus playing in string orchestra. Could you, could you outline that difference for our viewers? We already, we talked oh, sure. about that. So. Absolutely. Um, you know, being in the jazz band, most, the majority of the musicians were African-American. Um, while, you know, being in a string orchestra, most of them were Caucasians or Asians. Was still like, you got some black people up in there, but there was clear difference, you could tell. But it didn't feel that way. They made, they did a really good job in like, not really making a huge big deal. And of course we had teachers and um, the people who were in charge of the music department they were great about that. And of course, for me, it didn't really click. Um, but my favorite time was when we did the musicals. <laughs> oh, and um, we played our professional Broadway musical. Can you imagine middle schoolers playing out professional Broadway musical? Oh, it's not a thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> Oklahoma. We did Annie. Um, we did Oliver, you know, all the classics. Um, it was great. And it was just like, we were just one huge, big, happy family. Mm -hmm. And then move on to high school where I went to, um, I have to say it right, because our principal, uh, Mr. Whaler said, we are the Philadelphia High School for the Creative and Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. Got to have the D e in there. And, um, and again, it was the same thing like Shawmont. And um, it was beautifully mixed. 
and um but constantly exposed to music and then um of course we had all city and whatnot but i think when it got to college when you got to the point where it was going to be the way it was going to be when correct. your career yeah like awakening um and of course you know me being me i i was so used to um, you know, middle school, high school, but then um, going into youth orchestra, that's where it kind of, I kind of got the glimpse, kind of got the glimpse. Um, but for me, I was just too busy working, practicing and whatnot to really notice it. But, you know, being those first couple of rehearsals, it's just like, oh, yeah. this well, is different. When we chatted before, you shared a little story about, I can't remember what gig it was, but there were two harps. And yes. I think you can share a little bit about that because I think that gives. Was, um, that was in college. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this was the first time I really experienced um, racism in classical music, even though it was not that big of a deal but it still happened um i was asked to um fill in for second heart for a certain orchestra that show remained nameless thank you <laughs> um to play second heart for the planets and of course um i think we were in seven when we did the plan planets yeah. right yeah yeah and so i was playing second harp and of course um there's always the mantra, and I think it's a mantra that um, that is really hard, like really put on for POCs that you have to work ten times harder. Yep. Just as good. So I did. I I listened to a bunch of recordings. I read a bunch of scores. I followed my parts. I put in cues and whatnot. Like I was prepared. Mm -hmm. And so I was leaving um, Baltimore and um, going to this orchestra. And um, of course, I thought I left it plenty of time. I really did, but that DC traffic, like legit, it's, oh. Anyway, let me not give directions because I don't want to give that orchestra away. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I got there. And the harpist there was very cold to me, very cold. Um, didn't really say, hey, how are you? No pleasantries, no nothing. I'm like. But is talking to everybody else. Okay. Correct. Yes. Talking to everybody else. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to follow my score. Just do some notes. You know, conduct's going to be in tune, blah, blah, blah. You're like, clearly I'm not welcomed here. Right. And then um, I started playing and I was really on my game from the very first rehearsal. And then she decided to talk. You had to prove yourself. After one point where it was just harps and whatnot, and I played it, not to toot my own horn, but I played it a little better because I was a little bit prepared. And then she decided to talk 
to me because like, oh, he can actually. And I'm just like, because I'm sure if it was somebody else or some other white girl or boy, it would probably have been totally different. But she made a point not to talk to me, not to say anything until I proved myself. Yeah. I mean, you said earlier that it wasn't necessarily that big of a deal, but it's like, it's these tiny things that happen Mm -hmm. all the time. Like the little microaggressions, right? Correct. Yeah. it happens, it's been happening, it ain't nothing new. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's just like, you know, it's rough sometimes. Yeah. But I think it's gotten to the point where it's just like, you know what, we've been slipping this under the rug for way too long. And now it's like, yeah. Well, wake up. I, I, I wanted to ask you what are your biggest frustrations right now with the classical music world regarding the black community and just people of color in general? My biggest frustration right now is that some organizations, especially big orchestras, are asking the same questions or doing the same exact things that they've been doing for years and years in years. Tradition for tradition's sake. Correct. It's like, oh, well, we'll hire, you know, a diversity counselor or, you know, we're with it. Like they've been doing all these um, half glass um, statements and whatnot. And I'm just like, it's not enough. It really is not enough. And you know exactly what you have to do. Mm-hmm you know exactly. Because these orchestras acting like, oh, well, oh, what can we do? Or let's form these committees. Like, no, you don't need to do it. You know exactly what you need to do. And it's now it's like, it's no excuse anymore. It really is not. And the way to start that is to actually hire people of color Mm -hmm. in your administration and having more people color in your boards. That's what you need to do. And, you know, um, it's just... I think it's amazing to so many people that we can be in the situation that 2020 has brought us, where everything is on pause, and right. we're not drastically changing things. Like, this is such an opportunity Correct. to restructure things. And, you know, I, it amazes me um, that some people are just like, racism in classical music is a new thing. <laughs> some people are acting like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, um, the whole, um, the articles of like, you know, African-American composers' music being performed and the whole ratio of numbers, like, old news. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that there's only one Black person or two in the orchestra, there needs to be more diversity. Old news. Yep. Nothing is new. 
The only thing new is, is that we are in a pandemic, everything is on hold, so now you have to face the issues. That's the only thing that's new. Nothing's new. This has been going on for years. Racism in classical music has been a thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the orchestras have been some, no, some, some, I would say the majority, let me say that, the majority of orchestra have been dragging their feet on this whole issue. But now, you know, since, you know, coronavirus is happening, you know, they're finding like, oh, well, I guess I can sit down now. And it's like, and it's just like, hello, problem this, problem that, problem this, let's go. Yep. Because you've been like dragging your feet all this time trying to keep your um, orchestra afloat. But guess what? You're at a pause now. Mm-hmm. Here's some Alma Palmer tea. <laughs> Would you like a slice of lemon with that? Let's have a conversation. Yes, yes. And what is so great now today? That that's the beauty. There is um, what is that phrase called? There is always a shining lining behind some clouds or whatnot. Probably from there's some a silver lining. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. there's a silver lining behind all this. Even though we are, you know, suffering right now, especially as musicians, you know. You and I are having this conversation. Yeah. You and I. At any other time, when would when could or would we have this conversation? Right. Yep. That's a good point. Right. That's but, a good point. So, um, that's been my frustration, you know. I think now because we're having conversations now or we're calling out on the BS. Mm-hmm that some orchestras are taking action. Right. Little, little steps. However, there are still um, orchestras that are not following suit or are just giving half-assed statements or whatnot. And it's just like, it's not acceptable anymore. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's my frustration that people are just acting like it's a new, it's a new thing. Yeah. Or it's like, don't know what to do because actually, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. You just don't do it right now. People are talking about it and you're making a choice to ignore it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So with all that frustration, I mean, I of course can be sympathetic and compassionate but I will mm-hmm. never have to bear that weight in the same way with the privilege right. that I have. So I would imagine that it takes quite a toll on your mental health. Um, if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about that and also what's in your, your toolkit to cope with those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with all of that, I think um for me most recently and i had this conversation with a a fellow colleague of mine you know um where it's just like even with all this frustration create creating your own opportunities Mm -hmm. and not waiting for someone to open the door for you i love that that's the one thing like you know i think it's 
absolutely fabulous that people are doing their own recitals on Facebook Live and whatnot. And, you know, it's time to do that because, you know, I think especially um, for people of color, we keep on waiting for acceptance. We're waiting for that opportunity. You know, we're waiting to make that big recital debut at this blah, 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 blah. And you know what? We don't have to. Just do it. And um, I have some projects coming up with fellow musicians. And it's just like, you know, doing a video or a recital, Facebook Live or whatever, YouTube, is just as gratifying because you're putting your talents out there. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to be doing because it's, it's, it's important to keep up with our craft and creating new opportunities. You know, if orchestras are not programming enough um, people of color um, composers, then do your own concert of, um, of composers. You know, I recently did this challenge of, um, and I need to hop back on it because I've been really um, slacking on that. Uh, it's called Black Composers of Excellence Challenge. And actually, you know, doing research besides, you know, still give them props of Florence Price and George Walker, still giving them all the high praise that they deserve, is actually finding African-American composers that used to be big. You know, um, there's, I'm doing some transcriptions of, um, because I was supposed to do a recital at CSO with the African-American Network, thanks to Sheila Jones. Shout out to Sheila, love you much. Um, I was supposed to do that in May. Hopefully it will get rescheduled, but the whole entire program was transcriptions of composers um, that we don't really hear much about. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one piece that um, I'm actually doing fairly soon uh, for a concert. Um, It's Blind Tom, his name was Blind Tom Wiggins. the highest paid black musician of the United States in the early 1900s. Wow, wouldn't have known that. And he played for presidents and blah, 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 and he was the highest paid. So why aren't we hearing more about him? Right. You know, there's one black composer called the Black Mahler. <laughs> yes, love that. <laughs> or there's another composer, um, his last name is Freeman, called the Black Wagner. You know, it's just like, why aren't we hearing about them? Right. And it's just like, I was so interested. I'm like, let's just start posting and do a challenge and tag people. And I'm creating my own opportunity by transcribing and doing music by them. But, you know, if it isn't working, in the real world, create your own opportunities. And that's how I've been coping with yeah. that. Um, Personally, uh, I love that it's so rooted in such positivity and optimism and it's right. genuinely inspiring. So thank you. No, absolutely. And you know, hopefully, and this is why I did the challenge of hopefully tag the right people. So certain people be like, oh, because right. remember I posted one violin concerto I forgot who the composer was, 
And one person was like, oh my God, this is as good as corn, corn gold. I'm like, <laughs> start practicing it. But start like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You know, so doing all these, because orchestras, except for the LA Philharmonic, who I think has the best diverse programming in the United States, you know, it's just like, do your research. Yep. Go back. Stop doing just these certain Florence Prices or the lyric for strings for George Walker. Again, no hate on that. Right. But, however, but they've become a classic token piece. Correct. Tokenism. Mm -hmm. Tokenism. And that's one thing that really needs to stop in classical right. music. It's tokenism. Mm -hmm. Because the certain Florent Price pieces, the George Walker lyric for strings, are the tokens. And orchestra's like, well, let's program this. Let's do George um, Walker's yeah. lyric for strings. Like, look, we're diverse. <laughs> we, we met our quota. We're good. We, we're doing our thing. It's like, no. 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 No, 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 no. And, you know, tokenism needs to stop, especially in the opera world. Oof because they use the same singers over and over again. And it's just like, there's other people bring in the opportunities. Yep. But again, if it's not happening, do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Post it on, because you know what? Somebody's like, child, that was good as kissing. Do a concert, okay? Or I just, like, she sounds just like blah, 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 or you're great as blah, blah, blah. Duh. Do your opportunities. Do not wait for somebody to open the door or the window. Get that sledgehammer. Knock down that wall. Create your own door. I love that it. I love that so because much. The time for waiting is over. Mm -hmm. It really is over. Yeah. And again, um, it goes back to the frustrations. What needs to happen? Yep. It exactly. starts from the top. Yep. Get black people on your board. Get some black people or people of color or both in your administration, especially the artistic administration. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then continue to go out. Um, and then, of course, the key is education. I'm sorry, I feel as though I'm going to tangent, but mm. it's just like, especially for education, what is lacking today is that orchestras need, um, if you're going to do outreach, don't just go to the schools that have a semi-good music program. Go to the public schools. Right, right. Art. Yeah, that frustrates me quite a bit. I'm glad you said that. Because you're already a specialized music program. Right. Go to the school that does not have a music program. Because there's plenty of schools that did, but of course, when they're like, oh, we need to do a budget cut, what's the first thing to go? The arts. Yeah. If you want to, and see, that's what I'm talking about orchestras serving their community. Mm-hmm. Because what you present on stage is for your community. And if we don't see it, yep. it just ain't happening. So how can we actually 
do better for our community, go into the public schools mm -hmm. that does not have a music program or probably doesn't have anything at all, mm -hmm. expose them to music at a very early age. Actually get people, and see this is where diversity in youth orchestras or training programs of orchestras need diversity so that all the little people be like, oh my God, there's a person who looks exactly just like me, who's only what, 10, 12 years older than me doing their thing, I can do that. Maybe you'll spark an interest. Mm -hmm. Go to them, bring the schools to open rehearsals and not just only have open rehearsals for donors. Yeah. Or for the specialized programs. Same those thing. are future. Mm -hmm. Expose them. Because if we don't see them, or if they don't see it, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Because they're constantly seeing sports. They're constantly seeing, um, as music goes, you know, jazz, R&B, um, rap music. They yep. constantly see that. Yep. But however, classical music. We're where is in the past. We where are is not in the past. Go out into the publics. Expose them. Do concerts. Don't just go to like again like a charter school or some stuff like that. You know, actually go out into the community. Mm -hmm. that probably cannot afford to go to Symphony Center, even though the lowest is like $30. Maybe that's not in their budget. Right. Okay, so how can we do that? Go out into the community. Yeah. Bring them in with sincerity mm -hmm. and realness so that the, the future of classical music can remain fruitful and bright. Yeah. And I feel as though if we start at a very young age, especially in the public school with the less privileged, mm -hmm. have more programs that support them and actually continue, maybe they'll continue to middle, high school, college and whatnot, but we need to have more programs that focus on that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we won't have um, articles about, you know, more diversity in classical music, yeah. or like this whole blind audition thing, which is a totally different conversation. A lot of that right now. It's that, that's where we need to find the root of the problem. Yeah. Because most black musicians start later. Mm -hmm. Most. I was very fortunate and blessed to start at a very young age, again, because I had a village and a community that actually saw my talent and pushed me. Mm -hmm. Some don't have that. Right. We need to start at a very young age to do that. And so if we do that, then actually educate them on what needs to be done or what it is to be a musician, having mentors. Mentorship is so important nowadays. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have a lot of mentors. You know, I had mentors like, you need to go to Aspen Music Festival. 
you need to network here, blah, blah, blah. You should go to this, you have that. I had mentors and we need to have more of that. And actually having the mentors expose them. If you know you have a person who is interested in like orchestral playing, actually bring them in. Right. Play a concert. I don't care whether it's a children's concert. I don't care if you're playing like fifth or sixth instrument and whatnot and you're backstage. Right. Do that. Be a mentor, especially for POCs, because we don't get that exposure as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because let's face it, there are some teachers out there or members of the orchestra who actually just bring in their favorites. Right. Right. Who just bring in their favorites to do all these concerts. But yet we're sitting in the audience because we get free tickets or whatnot. It's just like, yep, that's good. Or you have people like, well, why aren't you up there? It's just like, isn't it obvious? Right. It's obvious. And it, it's like favoritism is a thing. So they need to actually be true mentors, have the training programs of orchestras actually push them to do concerts for whatever orchestra it is. Mm-hmm. Expose them. Yes. If they have the talent, if they have the gift, if they, the only problem is they probably need a little extra push, then push them. Right. <laughs> you know, because we're not going to audition for it if we don't have the experience. Yep. Yep. And that comes with mentorship and that comes from education. Yep. Luckily, I was a person where like, you know, at, at Peabody, my teacher knew it's like, Oh, I want to be an operatic harpist. Cause I freaking love opera because I'm an opera nerd. And she's like, okay, play in these opera. Right. You want to be a musician here, play all these go to conductor's orchestra, do all of that. Yep. You know, we need more teachers. We need more mentors like that, especially for people of color in classical music. Mm-hmm. And as well. Yeah. More early exposure, more mentorship is what we need. And guess what? It's not really happening. It's happening little here and there, but we need to push forward to make sure it actually is happening. Because when it happens, we have that experience. We go to all these music festivals and whatnot. There needs to be more scholarships. Right. Because there's people with money. It's like, what can I do? Put your money where your mouth is. Okay, people? Once we get all of that, then we'll have more flocks at auditions. Right, right. Yep. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I I'm here for it. I could talk with you absolutely all day about this. I think it's just so great to hear uh, your story and your opinion and your thoughts on the matter. Um, In closing, I want to just simply ask why do you do what you do? Why are you a classical musician? Why am I a class? I think my main duty is (laughs) 
most recently is to do what I have to do to inspire or it or help future black musicians. Yeah. That's what I do. I do what I do um, because, you know, there might be a kid or a black kid who's like, oh my God, I want to do that. And if I ha- if I'm that person that they look up to, then I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason why I'm a classical musician is because that's who I am. It's in my blood. It's my heart. It's what I do. Um, and now it's sort of like in this time, I've really thought about it because, you know, especially when COVID hits, just like I hit that point where it's like, I have nothing to do. Yep. Big gigs have been canceled. Mm-hmm. DSO concert hall debut was supposed to happen in May. I was supposed to play the Fantastics. I was supposed to do a big, huge thing in um, November, which I can't say, but hopefully will be um, rescheduled. All like these big things were supposed to happen. I thought my career was going to like go. I'm like, this is it. I'm ready. This is what I've been waiting for. And that was like, and so I was like, what is my purpose? You know, it's like a Charlie Brown kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just Charlie Brown with this. I, first of all, I love Charlie Brown. I'm the only person in my family that loves Charlie Brown. But, <laughs> but I sincerely, I'm like, what, what am I supposed to, like, what is my life? Yeah. What am I here for? And I finally came to the conclusion especially with the George Floyd and all this issue of racism, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to fight for equality in classical music. I'm supposed to be that person um, who is like, is that person like, I've never seen. That's the person, that's the thing I love. It's just like, I have never seen a black man play the harp. Yep. I love that. I absolutely I do too. love that. I'm like, well, girl, do you know I'm a unicorn? I'm a unicorn, honey. Yes. I'm a black man. I'm a black male harpist. I'm a black gay man playing the harp. I'm a unicorn. I'm as a unicorn you as a king. I love that. Oh. Unicorn. And that's what, that's what I need to be. Yes. Is because if I'm on this journey, I need to continue to um, push through and strive for excellence and strive to be as big as I want or whatever the good Lord wants me to be so that, you know, I might be an inspiration or I can open some doors for the future black male For the future Jordan Thomas. Or for the future Jordans or whoever. Yes. But, you know, that's that's who I am. Plan on doing it. And you know, say you're already doing it. You're doing it. Great. Right. As I said before, if I'm not playing, I will be fighting. Yeah. So, um, you know, and these um, types of conversations, sharing our experiences, especially with you, you know, it helps. It's a good stepping stone. And it needs to continue to happen. 
um, and especially like for organizations um, like Classical Roundtable, for you to be using your platform, for me to sell, just to talk about my experience or what I think is great. It needs to happen more often because that's how the ball gets rolling. Yeah, exactly. And now hopefully after we step on that stepping stone, we can jump onto the rock and get actions going. Yeah. But action doesn't happen unless we talk, we know the problem. Yeah. We talk how we can fix it. Mm -hmm. And then that's how we're gonna go. Cause what better time? I ain't going nowhere, I ain't got Jack to do. It's 2020, let's go, let's do it. Correct, Barbara Walters, okay? I wish I had Barbara Jack. That'd be great. I love it so much. And Jordan, I just love you so much. This is great. It's so nice to chat with you. It's so easy to talk to you, even about these, these difficult conversations. And I am so incredibly excited for people to see this interview. And thank you. You're just great. <laughs> thank you. And I just want to say that um, to all the people who are watching, um, continue to have these uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, when we talk, it won't be uncomfortable. Yep. It's a necessary conversation to have and uncomfortable ones. If it's uncomfortable, that's great. Let's make it not uncomfortable by talking about it. And to all of my POC musicians out there, keep on keeping on. We got this. And you know, you know, just keep on shining your light any way that you can through recitals on YouTube, um, Facebook, um, you know, if you want to have your own conversations, have your own conversations, like what we're doing. Exactly. And, um, and for all of my um, non-POC people, do what Classical Roundtable is doing. Do what Kelsey and I are doing right now. Have conversations. You know, actually ask. You know, you already know the problem. Ask how can I fix it? Yeah. How can I, you know, be a true ally with you by not asking, what can I do? You know what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Ask for some guidance. Just be like, listen, I'm here with you. What you want me to do? I'm here. Because that. that's how we're going to solve things. Yes. Jordan, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you at the next interview. Bye, everybody. Thank you.